0: You're listening to The Influencer Podcast, episode number 59. So I have something exciting and new to share with you today. I have a free masterclass on pitching, and I want to invite you to it. During this jam-packed masterclass, you get access to my five steps for helping bloggers and influencers like you land paid brand collaborations, media coverage, and negotiate better deals. This free masterclass gives you the confidence, email sample copy, negotiation skills, and actual rate tips that you can start charging for blogs, social media posts, YouTube videos, or however you want to best give content to your hard-earned audience. It is the fastest way you can get paid for your influence, hands down. And by linking arms to join me in the masterclass as I spill my secrets, puts you in the same crew with influencers just like Peyton Baxter, who used these strategies in her first year of blogging to explode her Instagram following from 7,000 to 40,000, generate upwards of four to 5,000 a month on brand deals, and even DIY negotiate a $5,500 brand deal with her dream company. Another podcast listener, Elle Valera, said that since listening to the free masterclass, she already landed $1,100 in events, hosting, and sponsorships in less than a month. So if you've ever felt like you maybe could muster up the courage to hit send on an email pitch to a brand, you really will not want to miss this masterclass. You can sign up at pitchitperfect.net forward slash webinar. Again, that's pitchitperfect.net forward slash webinar. Before we dive in, I want to give my warm appreciation to our reviewer of the week, Sharon from New York. And Sharon says, I love Julie's podcast for so many reasons. Julie, please pick me for the listener of the week. Well, ask and you shall receive, Sharon. So here she says are her top reasons. She says, I have such a soothing and smooth voice. Well, thank you very much. She has a razor sharp mind and knows how to quickly get to the essence of an issue. And she interviews incredible people who are so talented and who I've started following from having heard them on the podcast. In short, if you want to succeed in modern business, this is required listening. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. I am so glad that you have found people that you love, that you think are talented and super passionate about, that you want to start following. So I'm glad that you found them on here and now you are following them. And you're a part of their community as well. So thank you so much for the review. I am glad that this podcast has helped you so much. And of course, I want to hear from more of you who listen in each week. So make sure to subscribe to the Influencer Podcast on iTunes. Give us a review so I can highlight your review in an upcoming episode. Make sure to screenshot this episode on your phone and tag me on your Instagram story at Joel Solomon and hashtag the Influencer Podcast to let me know that you're joining in today as you know that I love to share those screenshots on my story too. If you tuned in last week, you know that I chatted with Amanda Boylan from She Did It Her Way brand and podcast. As a reminder, or in case you missed it, Amanda laid out the steps for making the jump from corporate America to entrepreneurship. So if you're thinking of making that leap or are already an entrepreneur and wanting to improve your business, so let's face it, who isn't, then this is such a great show to listen back to. So make sure to check that out. And now on to this week, we actually have a show that really complements the last episode. Today, I'm talking with YouTube OG and mega influencer Carly Chrisman, who has not only spent eight years in the business, but is dishing tip after tip when it comes to a lasting influence. Carly has taken major initiative to her business and it has paid off. And today she shares how she turned her channel into a full-time business, along with tips on strategy, collaborations, and how being real truly pays off Hello. I hope you are having a fabulous day and welcome to this week's episode of the Influencer Podcast. Today, Carly Chrisman joins us from Chicago, where she runs a thriving business as a YouTuber and influencer. Sharing videos relating to style, home, and organization, Carly receives hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of views on her videos and constantly pushes out X. Ex- content every week, might I add, from videos like how to cook or how to look good in an Instagram photo to organization hacks from every room in your home. Carly not only provides useful content for her audience, but she is a hundred percent authentic along the way, which is likely one of the reasons that she's such an amazing person online and has amazing growth as the playing field has gotten even more saturated. So with over eight years in the YouTube space, Carly is a true role model for aspiring influencers or anyone looking to build a lasting full-time business in this world. In today's show, she dishes out tips when it comes to using a creative mind to build a business, why collaborating with other influencers is one of her keys to success, and how to grow on different platforms, which I think is super helpful. Why having a hair out of place is okay, and we even talk about one of my favorite strategies for influencers which you know is pitching. So if you have not signed up for that webinar yet make sure to go to pitchitperfect.net forward slash webinar to sign up. It is an amazing one with a baby on the way and a husband that she's sure to make time for and a crazy successful business that is authentic to her. I know that you will all love Carly's generous tips on influence and balance today. So let's welcome her to the show. Hi Carly I'm so excited to have you on today.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, of course. So um,
0: I just want to go ahead and dive in. I want to ask you a question that I ask everyone that comes on the show.
1: Um, That is, what does influence mean to you? Wow. Okay. I definitely, every time I hear this being answered on the podcast, I'm like, that was a great answer. And I always try to think, what would I say? And here I am, and I still don't have a great answer for it. Um, I think for me, influence is just how can you help people? And I always try to think of that whenever I create a piece of content is who is this reaching and how could it be helpful in their lives? So that's what I really hope to achieve through my platforms.
0: I love that. That's a great answer. That was perfection. was perfection. Oh, um, thank you. Yes. So I know that you've been a YouTuber and influencer. Is it for over eight
1: years now? I think oh it's... Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I feel like I stopped counting after six years. I yeah. was like, let's just keep it at six. Otherwise, I sound like this is... Too old. I, yeah, I think actually we're in our eighth year now. I don't in know why I say year. hour. Yeah, I and the,
0: mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like dog years, right? Like in the influencer space, that's like right. eons and eons. So, you know, I, yeah. I know that you've had some exciting moments throughout your journey, including, I mean, doing sa- uh, fashion segments on TV for E! News, Access Hollywood, Extra. You've been able to, you know, partner with a label to create a capsule collection of clothing pieces. Um, What do you think is the number one thing that has contributed to your continued growth, especially since you kind of started before this wave really took off and you've been able to sustain it even though the platform keeps getting
1: more and more saturated? Yeah, I think it's definitely been crazy seeing it come up to what it is now. And obviously it's amazing now because so many people recognize this as a career and being a job versus when I first started, everyone was like, you do what? You make what? So it's definitely very cool to see how far it's come. I think what I would attribute my longstanding growth to would just be being authentic. And my viewers have seen me live out my life from when I was in college to when I graduated to moving across the country to now getting married and moving back to my hometown. So I think being able to really share all those real life experiences with them is what kept the majority of my audience are around or I picked up new viewers depending on what age they're in. So just sharing all those real life moments with them has been really helpful.
0: Oh, that's so nice. And just be for them to be able to kind of probably see you grow and feel like they're a part of that story, you know, I would think. would
1: be- Definitely. And I shared with my viewers, you know, when I was moving to LA that I really wanted to do fashion segments. So being able to hit those pinnacles in my career with my audience and have them see me kind of achieve the things that I wanted to and also recover from breakups and then go on to find the person I'm married to now. I think everyone experiences this in their life with wanting to get a specific career or milestones in their life. So be able to watch a friend go through it is really exciting.
0: I love that. I know that two of your most popular YouTube videos of all time, because I looked it up, um, are How to Always Be Stylish, which has over 3 million views, and another How to Look Good in Every Picture, which has about 2.8 million views. What about these two videos in particular do you think has been so appealing to the viewers?
1: you know, when I first made the how to look good and all the Instagram pictures, I did not expect the success of the video. I really didn't realize what the market was for it. But I think it's just because it's something that we do in our everyday lives. Everyone's taking photos and posting it to their Instagram accounts or everyone wants to feel good when they go to work. So I think The videos of how to always be stylish or how to look good in every photo. It's just like basic tips for everyone to feel a little bit better in the things that they do in everyday life. So I think that's why those particular videos have done so well. But it was crazy to see the views on those videos. I was not expecting that.
0: I know it's kind of sometimes I feel like some of those things that tentpole or do, you know, do whatever they it is that they do. It's not even like a video or a piece of content that you maybe thought was going to be so impactful and transformational and get a ton of views. But then to get the feedback of that, does that ever make you think differently about the content that you create in the future? I mean, to know that you have viewers that love the how to always be stylish or how to look good in every picture, does that ever make you think like, huh, okay, well, then maybe I should do more topics relating around X, Y, and Z, because that tends to be something that they really, really like.
1: I think the things that have always resonated the most with my audience that always remind me is to keep it as authentic as possible. And I think the Instagram video did so well because there was no... Um, hiding the fact that we all want to look good in photos. We all want to feel good on our Instagram posts. So kind of really breaking down that barrier and being like, we all try on this and it's okay. Here are a couple tips I've learned throughout the years of taking photos that help you feel better in your pictures and kind of breaking that down and being like, it's okay and here's how you can do it really helped. So I think in all my videos, I always try to tell myself, what would I actually want to learn if I was watching this kind of Mm. content? What's something that would be helpful for me? And I get a lot of comments from people who've been like, why do you share your secrets? Because don't you think that means everyone will be able to do it? And I'm like, no, because I look up recipes for how to cook and I still go to restaurants, but it's still nice to be able to empower people to feel better about what they do.
0: Absolutely. And I, I love that. That's such a great response and just kind of really good outlook. And it's probably a lot of the reason why you have been able to sustain for as long as you have and and keep growing every day. So one of the things that I know that our influencer community is equally frustrated with is the new algorithm changes and how, you know, no matter what we do or where we go, you know, they're they're constantly changing it. We try to change with it and then they change it again. And, you know, it's just a constant struggle to try to flow with that. I would love to know what steps you're taking to not be so consumed by the frustration and to not let the algorithm get the best of your brand, your feed, and really just like your passion to do what you do.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think all influencers or even users are really frustrated with the algorithm and it's totally understandable. And I think the way that I try to... myself not to be frustrated about it is that this is happening to everyone. It's not just your account. So if you're seeing that your engagement is dropping or your likes are dropping, that's happening for everyone across the board. so it's not just you. Also, I think brands are aware of the algorithm and they understand. So it's not like your partnerships are going to be affected just because Instagram changed the algorithm because everyone's going through the same experience. Mm. So really it's frustrating because what used to get 10,000 likes on a photo, now you have to try even harder to gain the same amount. So it's definitely frustrating from a moving forward standpoint. But I guess on the overall for a career, I guess I just try to remind myself that this is just the playing field it is now on Instagram and we're all operating on the same page.
0: Right. I mean it's a great way to look at it because it's not like, you know, we're all on that same frustration field if 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 you know if you want to call it that, that it's not like one person is getting algorithm benefits over another or, you know, it's it doesn't really do anything to the to the company competition so to speak because i know that everyone always feels like that competitive drive to stick out among the saturation that really at the end of the day the only competition that you have with the
1: algorithm is yourself definitely and i think you know with the algorithm and with all this pressure to try to keep your numbers at what they are. I think it's almost helped me realize that it's not about just the numbers or getting to a certain follower because Instagram's almost made it so difficult to even reach those Mm -hmm. goals anymore. That for me, it's really, really truly about the engagement and having the audience that is seeing your post engage with Mm -hmm. those. And the way to get that engagement is by really creating true and authentic content. Mm -hmm. So to get those numbers and to get your audience actually participating with your content, it needs to be something that they actually want to participate with. And for me, at least, the things that are always driving that engagement are me sharing my actual life versus highly posed photos.
0: Yeah, and I I, I love that you said that because it's um... – it's interesting that even, I mean, what do they say? Like 0.6% of your followers actually see your content or whatever that number is that Instagram, whoever threw out to to let us know. I know it's so (laughs) depressing, but it's interesting because like, if it's that way across the board, then, okay, then how can I show up to the best of my ability for that 6% of people that are actually seeing the content
1: and what they need? Now that they've implemented insights into photos, we can see what our actual engagement is so I can see, okay, if my reach was 90,000 on this photo and then I can see that my likes were at 10,000, oh, one in nine. One in nine people actually liked this photo. That's not too bad. So actually seeing the analytics behind it makes me feel a little bit better versus when you just compare it with follower ratio and then when you realize like, oh, this is all just the algorithm algorithm, and my actual viewers are engaging, then I don't worry about it anymore.
0: Exactly. I love that. That's a great way looking at it. Um, And speaking of content, let's talk real content for a moment and how to bring more realness into your feed and content, because um, I love what you had had said about this. When I asked you about this, you said that people are engaging less with photos of bloggers with 10 plates of room service that they won't eat and more with authentic captions and experiences. And you said that your best performing posts, as you just mentioned, are the ones that where you're really opening up and sharing your real life. So whether it's your relationship or your health or, you know, how you stay organized and sustain, you know, just a, a healthy, well-rounded life. They want to hear that real story versus versus only kind of just seeing like this curated highlight reel, if you will. Um, so what tips can you share with us today that can help those listening up level, their performance in the posts that they create to be more real? Because I feel like that word authentic gets thrown around. And, and for some people, they, it's, it's hard to, def- to define that because it's such a relative term. So um, how, how, are, how are ways that you started testing that out? What were some of those real stories that you shared? Or how did you shoot the photo or shoot the video in a different way to make it more um, authentic and real to
1: you? Yeah, I definitely think now is such a great time for people who are looking to either start an Instagram account or just want to produce content for their own channels. Because there was a period, I feel like a couple of years ago, where it was all about the super professional photo and the highly produced photos. And now I feel like the audience market has kind of changed to go back to that more real life in the moment content. Like people do actually want to feel like they're in that moment with you now again. And I think that's been kind of a positive reaction from the algorithm switches. Because now I feel like when I upload a photo of me just standing in my closet saying, this is the outfit I'm wearing today, that gets significantly more engagement than if I had a photographer professionally take that photo out in the street. Mm. So I think that's because the audience wants to feel like you are their friend or you are wearing something that they could easily relate to and that they could translate into their own wardrobe versus feeling like you're a magazine character that's not accessible to them. Mm. I love that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. So I think for me, at least, like that's really ring true in all of my content in my engagement. It might not be the same for other people, but I do know that on my end, what I try to do is I keep I try to keep my professionals looking I'm not my professionals, I'm sorry, my my photos looking high quality. So I'll still try to use either a nice camera or a nice lighting or be in a room that has good lighting. You want the photo to still be clearly visible, but I want it to feel like I would be sending it to a friend in that moment versus feeling like, oh, this would be on the cover of a magazine.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's so true. And just kind of seeing it in in that different way and making it more relatable to like, we can all kind of imagine what the cover of a magazine would be, right? So then like, what, what is the antithesis of that? Or what is something that's a little bit more, um, you know, uh, broken down a little bit and just kind of more raw and real?
1: Um, Definitely, and I think there 's a mix of high low like obviously there 's some photos like I posted my professional wedding photos on there, and obviously those are taken by a professional, and they 're much more high level than a cell phone photo in my closet. But I'd like to mix it up that way because that's how real life is. Like you do have some nice photos and you do just have other moments where you're like, does this look good on me? I don't know. I just bought this shirt. What do you think? And that's why I like to share all of those moments. Mm, I love that. Um, I know that you or
0: I think what I make up is that you are a natural on camera. Um, I think you can just see that with the videos that you create. You're super engaging. You make it really feel like you're just talking to one person, which is, I think, You know, when you're going to start doing things on camera, that is really, I think, the goal for anyone, whether you're. Oprah, you know, or whether you're on YouTube. Um, so you do such a great, um, you, you do that so beautifully and, and just kind of that one-on-one intimate connection that you're able to cultivate. I would love to know, um, if any tips that you can share for those who are listening and may not feel as comfortable in front of a screen yet, what are, um, some tips or strategies that that those people listening can implement to get more comfortable to create video content or even even create Instagram story content, especially with how engaging Instagram stories are now, any gleams that you can provide for kind of that, um, getting more into that comfort zone?
1: Well, first off, thank you so much. That was so sweet and so nice, but I think really the best thing I can say is to be natural. When I first started making YouTube videos, I would do the same take a hundred times to make sure I said the phrase perfectly. Mm. And when you do things like that, it just, actually seems very cold and it seems very far away because it's like you're watching someone who's rehearsed or scripted. So now if I have some moments in my YouTube videos where I like make a mistake, I'll just leave it in because I'm like, this is how it would be if I was talking to you in person. So I try to leave in a lot of those like littler moments where I maybe flow a word or I have a hair out of place because not everyone's perfect all the time. So that definitely makes it feel more relatable. So any advice I would have for someone who's trying to start either a YouTube channel or get more engaged on Instagram stories is just to be yourself. I know that sounds so lame because everyone says be yourself, but it's true. Like your actual personality is what people want to see. And everyone might not like your actual personality, but the people who are going to follow you, that's what they want to see. They don't want to see this perfect person online because again, they could just watch a TV show, but they're on social media because they want to find people that they could be friends with.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: That's a great way of thinking
0: of it too, and just putting it in more perspective, I think.
1: Yeah. And I also would say, like, when you watch Instagram stories or watch YouTube videos on your own, what are people that you're drawn to? What do they do? Do you like them because it feels like you're listening to a friend? Or do you like them because they're super professional? It really depends on the type of content you want to create. So if you like to engage with a particular type of content, then I would just study why you like it so much.
0: Mm, yeah, I love that takeaway of just kind of doing your research of, of what attracts you, really. You know, why are you attracted to that person or why, why is that person inspiring for you? That's a great way to put it. Um, I know that I asked you about tips on how to grow, um, and really just kind of growth awareness. And you had mentioned organic collaboration between bloggers is a really good way to raise awareness and influence. Do you have examples of when you've done this or when you've seen this happen and the success that those collaborations had?
1: Definitely. I actually have two tips on how to organically grow through social media. The first one is through organic collaboration. And personally, I've always done this with bloggers who are my friends. So there's been YouTubers that I've personally been like, I really am drawn to their content and I really like them. We should do something together because if viewers like my content and I love your content, they would probably also love your content. So having us do a crossover has always really benefited the both of us because then if our viewers like similar types of content, they're more likely to follow that other person. Mm. So I prefer this style of collaboration versus the ever popular loop giveaways on Instagram right now, which drive me crazy. <laughs> Bananas. Yeah, They drive me crazy. It makes me so angry because I'm like, no one is following you for your content. They're just following you for a chance at a Gucci purse. Like, I don't, why do you want that? Yep. That's not real. So I would always say to find someone, like if you enjoy someone's content, reach out to them, ask them like, Hey, would you ever want to collaborate on something? Because it's a great way to share audiences with someone who already is following someone that's similar to what you do. And then the other way that I really have experienced a ton of growth on YouTube, at least, has definitely been through putting effort into my tagging and my SEO. Mm, What do you mean by that? Share that. So especially on my YouTube channel in the last two years, I've put a ton of effort into doing tagging in my actual video content. And that's because on Google, if you're going to search for a blog post, you're going to search for any type of content, it can scroll through through a whole blog post and find those keywords. But in a video, you can't do that. No one can look through your video to find what you're speaking about, especially something like Google, which is only going off of keywords. So for me, what I've really invested putting time into is my actual description box of my YouTube channel. I will go through and write probably like an entire blog post worth of text in my description box. And I will list out It kind of looks silly if you read through it. Like if you've ever actually sat and read through my video descriptions, people are probably like, why is she so redundant? But I will literally type the same kind of title for a video six different ways throughout the description just in case someone searches for it a little bit differently. My video will still pop up.
0: Nice. I love that. And what, what made you start thinking that way? Because I think, you know, that's, that's really a strategy. And I think for some people strategy may come easier for them and some, you know, it just doesn't. Do you feel like that strategy was probably always something that you innately had in you or was it more of a learned process that, that you, um, were able to kind of pinpoint and hone the more and more years that you were, um, on YouTube?
1: I think it's definitely been a trial and error process. Now that I've been doing this for eight years, I have a lot of these strategies just because I've literally done everything possible. So if you're just starting out, do not feel bad if you don't do these things, because the first couple years I was on YouTube, I didn't do them either. I just started implementing this in the last two years. And it honestly was because when I would search for a video, I would look and see what titles would come up and I would be like, oh, like I search for videos differently than I'm titling my videos. Mm. So then I started to think if I were to search for this particular video, how would I want to search for this? Or how would a normal person, if they're searching for something like this, what would they type? So that's what I started to put in all of my descriptions. I really have to sit down whenever I load a video and think to myself, okay, I could say my closet, or I could say Organization for small closets because that's what someone's probably more likely to look up. Versus, they don't know who I am, they don't know what you know my closet is, but they do know they want help with their own closet.
0: Oh, yeah, that's smart. I love that. Thanks for that strategy tip. Um, how would someone go about because we were talking about you know connecting with bloggers as well. How would someone go about connecting with another blogger that they may want to collaborate with? Is there a method? that you've seen that works that someone could follow when thinking about reaching out to someone who maybe they've never met and maybe they're like a little nervous about doing it.
1: I think the best way to organically reach out to a blogger to collaborate is to just engage with them how you would engage with content or how you would want someone to engage with your content. So, for example, a lot of the blogger friendships I've made always started out of me leaving a comment on their Instagram or on their YouTube videos. And I've been like, wow, I really love this video. This is so awesome. And not like expecting anything out of it, just literally telling them hey, I like your work. So really kind of building that relationship and having it be authentic and kind of turning into a friendship has always worked out best for me. And that's usually how I feel like other bloggers start to follow other bloggers is when they see that you're already following them and engaging with their content, they're way more likely to follow you back and engage with you as well.
0: Mm, Yeah, I love that. That's a great just encouragement and just a little... um extra something for people to put in their pockets today. Cause I think that that's a big one that people get kind of hung up on. Um, I think
1: that's a great tip even for smaller bloggers, because I've had some girls who have commented on my photos and I will click on their page and I'll see like, Oh, they have 15,000 followers. They're super cute. And I'll follow them back. So I would definitely encourage anyone who is either interested in blogging or Instagramming or anything to just really be engaged with the community because I definitely read all my comments and I've clicked through and I've followed girls even who don't follow me who have like 40,000 followers just because I like their posts. Yeah. See, I love that. That's
0: that's great. And that's why I think the profile picture is so important
1: because it's like what's going to captivate you, you know? Definitely. And I think having a profile picture that's clear and it's very – easy to see is the most helpful. If you have something that's like super dark and you can't tell what you're looking at, I'm way less likely to click more into that versus if I see like a clear smiling face or like a clear professional looking photo, I'm way more likely to engage with that.
0: Yeah. And I've even talked to brands before that they can, they can, some of of the brands that I've talked to that told me that they can tell the level of a blogger influencer just by looking at the profile pic. Oh my gosh. Like they can, and, and, and level, not in terms of like how many followers they have, but just in level in terms of like, how serious do they take their blogging and their online influence? Like everyone
1: is checking their profile pictures right now. (laughs) Immediately.
0: But it's so true. And I'll even see myself like with the comments or whatever that I, that I'll get, um, I can always tell like, Oh I bet that's a blogger who, you know, probably lives in this, in this location of the country who who probably has, you know, X amount of followers and who probably does this kind of blogging before I even look at the profile. And I'm like, and it's just because I've been in this and I've, you know, I've seen so many accounts over the years. But, um, when I was talking to the brand about that and they said that like, yeah, we can kind of sense that same idea. It's, it really started to make me realize how important a profile pick is. And now that, when we get various comments and and direct messages and stuff i'll even see that going through of like oh this person looks interesting or oh let's see what she has to say or oh i would love to dive in more about her and a lot of it just stems from the how engaging and inviting their profile pic is
1: that's so crazy but so true
0: yeah it's so it's it's so crazy well speaking of of which of of bloggers actually turning it into a full business let's talk about that the importance of turning your online influence into an actual business and how those listening can better do that i loved what you said to me um in our before we got on to the conversation that you said that um I learned that if I wanted to turn myself into a business, I needed to operate like a business. So this meant planning out content, pre-shooting content, thinking in advance, and not just trying to post something day to day. So much of what you do now that you see yourself as a business is exactly why I teach my students in the courses that I have that same thing. So I just loved everything that you said there. And I would love if you could share how you started going about this for your own business, like how you were able to really retrain your brain to start thinking of it in that way. I know that you mentioned a strategy tactic that you use that I also use called batching, where you started kind of, you know, filming multiple videos all in one day, you would plan out your content to really batch it out to make it more efficient for yourself. So um, I would love just to hear more about that as well as how, how you kind of like produce your business plan and how that leaves more room in your schedule and what your schedule looks like now
1: versus what it used to look like when you weren't really looking at it as an actual business. Definitely. And I think this is something, obviously, if you start a business in like anything to do with photos or video, you're probably a creative type. And at least for myself, I was not naturally business minded. I'm a creative person. I love like finding cool ways to express myself, but actually turning myself into a business was not something that I naturally knew. And I didn't go to business school. So all of the advice I have is because that I like failed at it before. So if you are in the same boat, it's okay. But when I really wanted to like be able to work with brands and i was realizing the amount of time it took because brands would ask okay if we're going to work with you we need to see this video two weeks in advance and then we're going to make notes on it and then we're going to send it back to you and then you have to send us another revision youtubers were so used to just filming a video and posting it that it was like what do you mean i have to give this to you two weeks in advance and then i really had to learn okay if i want to run like business and work with brands and work with companies, I need to actually be operating on their schedule and not this like creative person who's up till five in the morning schedule. Mm, So I had to learn that. Yeah, I had to learn if I wanted to actually be running and working with these companies that I was so interested in working with that I had to be on their schedule, which means I had to be responding to emails during the day. I couldn't be up at night filming videos and then responding at two in the morning and getting back to them 12 hours later. I had to be actually working during business hours, which now sounds so silly when I say it because I'm like, I can't believe I ever worked like that. But I definitely know that that's just naturally how creative types work. So I wanted to just kind of put that out there that if you really do want to be working in blogging as a full-time business, the, the best thing you can do for yourself is learn how to actually run like a business mm-hmm. and treat your blog like a business before it is one. Yes. And so boundaries.
0: Like I love, I, like the schedule is so amazing.
1: It's so important, especially if you want to have any kind of work-life balance, if you want to be able to turn off, which I've met some social media people who are like not able to do that. And they're still, they'll be out at events or at dinners and be like, Oh, I have to find something to post. And I'm like, why? What, what do you mean? Like, can't you just enjoy dinner? Why do you have to like have to post right now from this? And social media really like, you can let it consume you and be a 24-7 job, or you can really learn how to operate it as a job. Mm,
0: I love that. Thank you. Oh, I'm loving what you're preaching <laughs> today. It's amazing. Um, uh, another thing that you preach like crazy that you're already doing that you just talk about that I teach. And so I just, I love that you were talking about this with me was pitching. You said to me that one of the things that you do that differs from other influencers is the amount of pitching and outreach that you do yourself to brands and hotels and, you know, companies and bloggers will ask you all the time, like, did you get, you know, did that hotel sponsor your trip? Like, I wonder how that happened. How did you get this deal? How did you get that? But you said that it usually starts with you just stepping up to the plate and and actually pitching and not sitting back and just waiting for all the catching to come in. So that just made my little pitch heart happy when I got to see (laughs) that you were doing that. And I was like, yes, she gets it. She gets it. So I would love for you to walk us through what this looks like for you and how this has helped you scale your business. And like you were just talking about treating your blog more like your business.
1: Well, I think for me, especially like I have a team that I work with, like a management team, but your management team isn't going to work with you on things that aren't necessarily like high level. So my manager will work with me on projects that are paid where they have to correspond and like come up with contracts. But when they're smaller things like introducing yourself to a brand or asking a brand, if you could go to their hotel and stay there for a couple of days in exchange for content, people aren't reaching out and doing that for you because it doesn't benefit them. And I don't mean that in like a negative way. My manager is very busy, but asking her to reach out to a hotel for me would be like, why would I do that? Well, yeah. And she doesn't get commission off of
0: that. So it's like, why you want her to be cultivating those great relationships that are going to be income driven and, and monetized.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, she has a full-time job. You want her to be doing things that are actually worth her time. So I really learned, okay, if I wanted to be doing other things beyond just that, how could I make this happen? So for me especially, I've learned to really use the power of social media to reach out to people. I've created a media kit, which has my stats and a couple of photos on it, a kind of a, cr- a brief bio that describes myself. And this way I can reach out and I can send a quick email. I can tell them what I do, attach my media kit, ask them what I would be open to doing and see if they'd be interested. And I've done this so many times through either Twitter, I will literally tweet to hotels and be like, hi, do you have the like contact for the social media team at your hotel group? And usually 90% of the time they will respond to me with the email. Yeah. It's amazing. Right. Just like something so simple. So simple. I'll just go off of Twitter and then I have the email and then I'll send them my media kit. And most of the times hotels are open and looking for promotion or at least not. They'll offer you a media rate. So it's super helpful if you are traveling somewhere new and you've seen a hotel that you're like, oh, this would be really cool. and I could create content for them. It's kind of like a two birds, one stone kind of thing because they also would love to be able to use that content.
0: Totally. Well, I loved that you touched on that. And I love that you, you just take initiative with everything, which just is, is why you are who you are and why you have such a thriving online business. I just love it. Um, and speaking of the pitching, I know that building relationships is very important to you in this industry as it should be. That's like the the, the beauty of pitching is that it gives you the opportunity to build those relationships if you act upon it. Um, And you've seen all the positive effects from that. So tell me more about your idea of the importance of building relationships in this influencer space and tips that you have on how we can all
1: better build uh, relationships. Definitely. I think the number one takeaway from working on projects or working with brands has always been that everyone behind an email is an actual human like these are all real people that you're working with and real people want to be around people and work with people they like and enjoy so whenever i've been able to work with brands or meet different companies or pr firms usually the people that i work with we usually end up becoming friends in some capacity and those are the people that always down the road have offered me different jobs or we've ended up working together down the road again because we just truly enjoy working with each other. So something that's so important in this industry is really not only being nice just because you should be nice to people because everyone wants to, like everyone's going to work and they want to have a good day. Like, why would you be mean to someone? But beyond just like being nice for the sake of being nice, a lot of those times, those relationships you cultivate because you genuinely care about them will continue down the road and turn into other projects. Absolutely. I love that. so for me at least, a lot of the people that I've worked with in this industry, usually they'll end up leaving you know, the career they're at, but they end up going somewhere else in the industry. So while our current job may look the same for six months, in two years down the road, I've had people reach out to me at a different brand and be like, oh my gosh, you remember me? We used to work together. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you were the best. Of course I do. And I want to support them just as much at their new position. So I've had multiple people that I've worked with through the last five or so years who I've worked with in some small capacity who have turned into larger projects.
0: Nice. See, all from just cultivating the patience, the building the relationships, and really seeing the value in that early on.
1: Yeah. And I mean, obviously, it's not just because. It'll turn into something later. Obviously, like the people that I'm working with, it makes it a good experience when you're friends with them. So Mm. I love being able to go to jobs and be like, I'm having fun. This doesn't even feel like work, even though I'm on set right now. But it's also really cool to see down the road, like how your connections have turned into something else. Yeah, I know. That's beautiful. I love that.
0: Um, Well, before we wrap this up, I have a few more questions. I wanted to do a fast five with you. I'm going to ask you five questions and you're going to let us know what your answers are. Okay. (laughs) So, Um, number one, your favorite person to follow on Instagram?
1: Oh my goodness. I don't think I have a favorite one. I think I'm obsessed with all of those meme accounts. That's like the only thing I really like share with people. So I think that'd be my number one. I'm also really interested in like vegan food accounts recently. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you see who I'm following, it's like a very odd mix.
0: Okay. I love that. Um, <laughs> best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: The best piece of advice I've ever received is the worst they can say is no. My mom told me that when I was super young and I think I held onto it a little too hard, which is why I'm like constantly over pitching myself and always trying so hard. But it's true because the position you're in now, the worst thing that could happen of your dream is that you don't get it and then you're still in the same position that you're already in. So why wouldn't you try for it? Exactly. I love that.
0: Um, Okay. Number three, biggest lesson learned in business.
1: My biggest lesson learned in business has just been learning how to actually operate like a business. Yes, which we chatted about today. So I love it. Yes. That. Okay, number
0: four, favorite book or website to read for business or for influencer marketing growth?
1: Obviously, the Influencer Podcast. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Yes, or a podcast. <laughs> and then um, number five, the app that you can't live without.
1: The app that I can't live without, which is so embarrassing, but it would probably be Postmates because who doesn't want food and who isn't lazy?
0: <laughs> I'm right there with you. I, we, we probably use it on a daily basis in some way, shape or form.
1: Oh my gosh. When I lived in LA, I did use it every single day. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: just, I mean, how can you not? Um, okay. Well, what else is coming up, up for you in 2018 that we can be excited about supporting you in?
1: There's definitely going to be a lot of big announcements over the next couple of months, just like life announcements. Generally, I have a lot of big life things coming up, another move coming up. So those will be very exciting things. So make sure to check out in the next month. I'll be announcing all of this stuff as it happens.
0: Nice. I'm excited to know what it is. Um, Okay. (laughs) So if someone was to describe your YouTube channel to someone who had never seen it before, what do you hope that they would say about it?
1: I feel like they would probably say you're crazy best friend. I <laughs> think <laughs> I would hope that they would say that I'm helpful. Like I, I always try to make my videos helpful for someone, regardless of what stage their life in, whether they're moving into a dorm or their first apartment, like all the things that I wish I had known when I was doing all these things. That's why I create my videos. So I would just say like, I would hope that my channel would be found to be helpful, but also fun and chill and that they would just They're listening to it like an older sister.
0: Mm, I love that. Um, Well, lastly, where can people find you, Miss Carly, and connect with you and start following you and all of that good jazz?
1: My handle is the same on every platform. I'm just Carly Chrisman. So I have Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, even though I hate Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Yes, all the things.
0: Um, And then your YouTube is just, it's Carly Chrisman too, right? YouTube.com forward slash Carly Chrisman. easy easy peasy well if you have been listening today and you want to dive deeper into our fantastic conversation with Carly I would love for you to check out the show notes of this episode where I'm going to be laying out some of the most important takeaways from our conversation as well as all those good links and you can as always find those show notes at theinfluencerpodcast.com and if you would like to learn more about pitching and kind of keep this conversation going because Carly knows what she's talking about and I loved having that today with her and really how to build better relationships you can get access to my five steps for helping bloggers and influencers like you land brand collabs press and negotiation deals then head over to pitchitperfect.net for all of that good info Carly thank you again so much you are the real deal you are just you just sang to my influencer heartstrings today and I just so appreciate you you get it and um, I'm excited for more people to not only follow you, but really watch how you do what you do, because I think that you're going to be around for a while. You, you know how to how to make this thing a, a thriving business. So people should be paying attention to you for a lot of different reasons. So congrats.
1: Thank you so much. You are absolutely the best. And this is the best spot in case anyone does want to find out more about how to be an influencer or grow their business. They are in the right place listening to you because you give such helpful advice.